Every fire department does something different based on their manpower, their, their situations, their, their protocol, and you have to learn the fire department's way. Nobody cares how you learned it in school, and sure as heck, nobody cares how you did it in your old fire department. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. If you're a probie or you want to be, listen up. Today's guest, Mauro Porcelli, has written a new book titled Surviving the Firehouse. It's a guide to life as a firefighter for newbies, and it's full of real-world tips and advice. Morrow retired from the Orlando, Florida Fire Department with 25 years of experience. He started his career with Marion County Fire Rescue in 1988. At 23, he was the youngest, highest-ranking professional fire officer in Florida, holding the rank of district commander. And Mauro Porcelli joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hi, Scott. Thank you so, so much for having me on. I'm real excited about this. I truly appreciate it. Well, this is a great book. I've had a chance to take a look at it, and this book has everything. It even has recipes for the probies so they can learn to cook for their crew. <laughs> What <laughs> what prompted you to write this book? Well, all these years that I was a I was a firefighter, I just saw so many people come through the doors, and a lot of them just were not ready for the firehouse life. Uh, they self destructed. They had a lot of problems. They developed bad reputations. The problem that I had is most of them were really good people, just really, really good people, but they just did not have a guide, just somebody to help them along because we as firefighters think a lot of the stuff that they're supposed to do is just common sense, but it's not. A lot of this is you have to be taught and, and told how to do certain things in order to get along and to survive life in the firehouse, essentially. I was impressed with the practical advice you give. Give me some examples of tips for a new guy's first few days at a house. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Just keep your mouth shut. Don't be arrogant. Do more listening and less talking. The problem that a lot of individuals have, they come in there and they try to fit in, which is understandable. We all want to fit in no matter what group we are with. But the problem is they try too hard. They try too hard and they end up getting themselves in trouble. Their mouth gets them in trouble. If they, if they would just sit there, listen to what people have to tell them, and just go with the flow and don't have an opinion on anything because you don't have an opinion. <laughs> so just go with the flow and you'll be okay. After a while, the crew will accept you. They, they will accept you, but you just have to just keep your mouth shut. So this would not be a good time to say, well, here's what they taught me in class. <laughs> no, absolutely not. What they teach you in class 
to get certified as a firefighter, they're teaching you that to pass the state boards, to pass the state exam. Every fire department does something different based on their manpower, their their situations, their their protocol, and you have to learn the fire department's way. Nobody cares how you learned it in school, and sure as heck, nobody cares how you did it in your old fire department, which you hear all the time. That's even worse to say, well, my old fire department, we did it this way. Or, <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're apt to say, well, why don't you go back there if you did it so much better? That's exactly what they would say. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you've included some discussion of where you might want to work, at a large department or a small one. I was surprised at some of the pros and cons. Can you describe them for me? Sure. There's there's two types of individuals that, that I've met in the fire department. You have individuals, they're very happy working for a small department. And it used to be the definition of a small department was up to 50 people in a whole department. And then a medium size would be somewhere between 50 and 150 to 200 people. And a large size would be anything above that. And so you have to figure what is your personality. There is a place for everybody. If you're happy and you want to work in a small town department and not really be that busy but still want to be a firefighter, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But some firefighters, they want the big city life. They want the action. They want the high-rises, the warehouses. They want to work in the most undesirable neighborhoods the fire department has to offer. And they want to run calls 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So there is something for everybody. Um, It's like you you could work for Fire Department of New York or you could work for Mayberry Fire Department. So what I try to stress in the book, just because you work for Mayberry Fire Department does not make you less of a firefighter as if you are a New York City firefighter. There's a place for everybody, but you have to determine what's good for you because there are pros and cons to each one, but most of it is, is very subjective. As I recall, there was a section in there about the Mayberry Fire Department and how if you get yourself into trouble there, people are going to remember it. Right, right. In a small department where, where you don't have that many people, to filter your screw-ups, what will happen is if you do something wrong, you say something wrong, the chances of it getting to administration, to the fire chief, or to the other station across town pretty quickly is going to happen. It's going to happen, and everybody knows your business. Everybody knows knows your problems and and all the bad things that you may have done and your screw-ups. In a bigger department, you have a lot of filters between point a and point x there's a lot of people that it has to go through and by the time it gets to the end of that road most people aren't even going to care or they're going to forget about it because you have a lot of filters in there and you're just a number you're just one firefighter out of 500 or 5,000, and most people aren't even going to know you or remember your name and then you write about the little black book what's in that and why is it important yeah, there's, you know, unfortunately, in the fire department, there's there's a downside. And the downside is sometimes we have rogue firefighters, we have rogue officers, and people tend to get in trouble. And a lot of times when people get in trouble, they don't deserve to get in trouble. And so what you have to do is you have to document, especially if you have a rogue person that is coming after you, a rogue person that is coming after your job, is, is just coming after your character. And this person is going to take you out, unfortunately. And, and you have to be careful. You have to watch yourself. Fortunately, like I said in my book, they're few 
and far between, but but they do exist out there. So you have to document everything that that somebody says to you that if they are coming after you. If you know this person's coming after you and they're trying to fire you and terminate you and for reasons that you don't think are justified, then then you have to you have to keep your own little black book and and just keep notes about, you know, what this person said to you, anything that was that you deemed to be harassing or they're just demeaning you, et cetera, et cetera, because this person's coming after you. And like I said, fortunately, these incidences are few and far between, but you just have to protect yourself. So let's talk about assignments. I read in your book that you think it's a pretty bad idea for a new guy to come in and say he wants to be on a truck or a rescue. And, um, and But that's where all the good action is. So why is that a problem? <laughs> because that is where all the good action is, and you have to pay your dues. You, you have to pay your dues. Fortunately, I worked on all the units. I was on a rescue, I was on an engine, and I was on a tower truck. And they each have their role in the fire department. Uh, a lot of guys love truck work. They love to go in there doing the searches and rescues and pulling ceilings. And a lot of people love to be on the end of a nozzle. But in my department, especially in, in Orlando, the truck, the trucks, the, the tower trucks and the heavy rescues, they were really sought after positions, especially with the young kids. And understandably so, because they go to, to a lot of good calls, the extrications, the fires, etc. Now, the rescues and, and engines are going to those calls also, but the towers seem to go to more of them. And so it draws that new young firefighter to that spot. So what you have to do is you have to pay your dues in the fire department. And nowadays, a lot of people don't want to pay their dues. They just want to, first day on the job, just jump straight up and work the prize units, the prize stations. Well, you have to prove yourself. You, you have to do that by just uh, staying in shape, training, constantly training, taking classes, keep your mouth shut, just seem motivated, and, and do what's right for the department. And then eventually you will get one of those spots. But it could take a few years to do it. But you just can't say it in your orientation when you get hired. Hey, I want to be on that tower truck. I want to be on that heavy rescue and do special ops. Well, you got to work at it, kid. Okay, you need a few years on, but thanks for letting us know. <laughs> I'll be back with more right after this. When that call comes in and you rush to head out, the last thing you're thinking about is your safety. But your safety is all Federal Resources thinks about. At Federal Resources, we work to make sure that every responder is equipped, trained, and ready to come home safely. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. How are probies today different than they were 20 years ago? It's maybe saying it's an issue is too strong, but there's definitely a difference. They want everything now. They want everything now, and a lot of them feel entitled to where they should get that truck spot right now. They should get that station spot right now. They don't feel that they have to earn it, that it will take them a few years to get the credibility and the respect from the crews, from administration, to get those some of these coveted spots. And a lot of these millennials, when you talk to them, they tend to not want to take you seriously unless you have something to offer them, such as, hey, I'm an officer, 
on a tower truck or I'm an officer on this engine company at this real busy station, and then they'll gravitate towards you. I just wish that they would just step back a little bit and just understand how good they have it. Just pay your dues in the fire department. Just do what's right for yourself, for the department, and work your way up to these to these different positions. And there's no room for egos in someone who's brand new. I know that because I've seen enough of them get beaten down after they showed one. Oh, you're going to get beaten down big time. You're going to get beaten down big time. There, there, there is no room for egos. And when you're new, just, just keep quiet and just learn. Just learn as much as you can and just be a sponge and take everything in. You're not going to agree with everything. Because in my firehouse, we had uh, one station, we had almost 30 guys. Another one, we had 10 guys. And everybody had their own opinion on how to do different things from extricating, a basic extrication, to how to put out a fire, to a pot on the stove. I mean, everybody had an opinion. Most of them were right, but some guys were just out in left field. But when you're a new guy, you have, like I said, you, you don't have an opinion on, on anything. Just sit there and agree with everything. And yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, man, ma'am, and move on. <laughs> You know, there are several kinds of these books around, but this one feels like I'm just sitting around the table talking with you. It's very informal, it's very relaxed, and there are sections on just about everything, including how not to lose your job. Right. And so you say this is written from your own experiences. Have you been through the school of hard knocks at the fire department, the fire academy of hard knocks? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Fortunately for me, when I started with with Marion County, it was a young department, a new department, and we had a tremendous amount of growing pains, a lot, a lot of growing pains. And it wasn't really that big of a department. So everything you did was under a microscope. And I was young, just out of high school. I got promoted really fast. And I, they gave the test. I took the test did exceptionally well in it. And I got promoted. And I got the golden badge and bugles. I'm like, ooh, now what do I do? And so there was a lot of growing pains. I mean, I, I made a lot of screw-ups, and I said a lot of things and did some stuff that I probably should not have done. But what really helped me, honestly, is when I left that department, I went to the city of Orlando Fire Department, which was always my dream department. And I took those lessons with me. And I was determined not to make the same mistakes. And because I took those lessons with me, I had a wonderful career in Orlando. I got along most all my superiors, all my officers, my chiefs, and most firefighters. I, I, I knew how to deal with them. And I knew how to get things done. And most of it is just being respectful by people that are in a room when you're having a conversation with people. And one of the things that I talk about a lot is one of the things in the fire department, when somebody disagrees with something, like, for example, if a firefighter disagrees with the union on what the union is doing, the way they're negotiating our contract or whatever, well, some of these guys would just blast the union in an open forum, or they would blast the fire chief in an open forum, and they're complaining about this or that or whatever. What I did, if I didn't agree with something that the union did or the way they're doing things or how administration is handling something – Whenever I saw these guys at the firehouse, when they stopped by, I would just pull them aside out back where it was one-on-one -on -one and have a gentleman's conversation with them. And you'd be surprised of the information that you will get and what you can get accomplished if you're just respectful to people and talk to them in a normal tone of voice and, and don't put them in a defensive position, especially in a room with a bunch of people. And I learned that the hard way in my old department. 
And, you know, fortunately, when I went to Orlando, like I said, I took these lessons and uh, and it worked. And I just wanted to share this advice with everybody. So tell me now the scariest situation you were ever in in your career fighting a fire. Oh, wow. We were there's a couple of them, actually. Um, there's nothing worse than being deep in a in a fire, in a warehouse fire, and you're running low on air. You're way back in there, you're running low on air, and you're lost. You can't find your way out. And your bells are going off, you hear other firefighters screaming in the background, and you're trying to find your way out. And unfortunately, when you look over to the right, you see a little glimmer of light. And that light was the outside vent team breaking a window so you can get you can find your way out and jump out of that window. And I've had that happen a couple times, which was uh, which was scary. Um, another time, and this one happened many years ago, there was a uh, there was a van that went head on into a tree and trapped a person in the van, and he was trapped from from the chest down. Well, 50% of this minivan was engulfed in fire, and this guy was starting to burn up. So I jumped, I broke the window, jumped in there, and I covered his body with my body, and at the same time I'm trying to put an air pack on him. And it was pretty painful because I'm getting burnt on the on my back because the flames were coming uh, from the back of the minivan, and I'm trying to protect this guy. And and at the same time, my crew on the engine they're pulling the hose, trying to put out the fire. And so that wasn't that wasn't fun. But the guy made it. You know, we suffered some burns here and there, but he made it. it was a happy ending. But you know, it wasn't it wasn't a good feeling at the time. <laughs> All right, the book is Surviving the Firehouse, A Rookie's Guide to Surviving the Firehouse and Fire Department Life. It's a great book for probies to learn what they need to know before they show up at work. And Mauro Porcelli, thanks for talking with me today. Scott, thank you so, so much for this opportunity. Like I said, I really appreciate appreciate this interview. It's the first interview I've ever given, and, and I really enjoyed it. But thank you so much for everything. And we put some more information about Morrow's book and how to get it on our website at code3podcast.com slash rookies. Check it out. Now here's your trivia question. When you use SCBA, you should be able to calculate the expected duration of the bottle in your head. What's the equation for finding total duration? No cheating. I'll have the answer right after this. Ever notice that Scott always tells you that you can get a guest's book at our website, code3podcast.com? That's because we have links to order their books from Amazon on the episode's show notes pages. It makes it easy for you to get the books, and it helps support Code 3. When you buy Amazon through our website, we get a small cut too. And it doesn't cost you any more to order through us. Plus, there are other firefighter-related products there too. Take a look at Code3Podcast.com. Here's the trivia answer. You can figure the duration of an SCBA bottle by dividing the total volume by breathing rate. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media.
To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com. <laughs>